All right, we are uh, going to spend uh, a week or two on the issue of understanding the importance of the Bible. Uh, I'm doing that, and by the way, I want to welcome our internet organ uh, audience, our internet audience, and our radio audience. We're so pleased that you're with us, uh, and uh, we ask God to continue to bless you in all that you do. And so we're studying the importance of the Bible, and we're going to do that for uh, two weeks, I believe. Uh, and, and the point of this is, why are we studying the Bible? What is this? Is this mere intellectual titillation? Are we looking for historical facts? Because obviously we get historical facts. But I believe that God gave us the Bible as the roadmap to heaven. God gave us the Bible uh, through men, but inspired by the Holy Spirit as the word of God. I believe that every word in the Bible is from God. Every word from God. That means it's God speaking to us. This is why we study it. This is why it's not like any other book. Uh, and, and this is why you need to pay uh, extreme attention to it for the rest of your lives as you read it and study it and pray over it, because it's God speaking to you. Uh, and so I want to prove this to you through multiple scripture, uh, and we're going to begin by doing that today. And so if you have my outline, we begin by understanding that uh, it is the definitive word of the creator. Can you imagine that the creator of the universe has spoken to you definitively about his mindset and his plan and has given it to you in a book? That's exactly what you have, the creator of the universe. So when you look out in the sky and you see the sun and the moon and the stars and you're humble, then you look at this world and you see the mountains and the rivers and the oceans. The very creative agent of all of that has given you this book. It's astounding that God would do that, that he loves us that much. And so it's important to understand that. So uh, we need to understand that the that the universe itself is sustained by the word of God because it is the very definition of God himself. And so we know that Jesus, through Jesus, and Jesus is the word, and we're going to speak about that, the universe itself is held together by Christ. Uh, it's extraordinary when you when you think about that. You know, you speak to physician, uh, physicists, and they'll tell you that everything is in sort of a state of equipoise uh, as it's all finely balanced. Well, I can tell you what the state of equipoise is. It's Jesus Christ. All right? That's what it is. That's what the glue is. That's what keeps everything together uh, and in balance. And so all of that is the word of God. Um, and And you can see this when you take a look at John chapter 1, verse 4, and it says, The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. Meaning what? Meaning that Jesus Christ was effectively the Word of God. Uh, and this becomes uh, a concept that we need to understand as, as, you, as you drill down and understand what the Word is. The Word of God is a living function. It is a living function. It is not like any other word. And so God and God's words are inseparable. The first words recorded in all of history, 
in all of history are in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning. God. In the beginning. Uh, and, and, and so further, we can also see God's first words uh, concerning the universe. Let there be light. And so there you have an example where the word of God is used to create the universe itself. God's word is his light. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119. That's how critical the word of God is. And so as you understand the word that we have in front of us, God has breathed life into the scripture just as he breathed life into Adam. Um, he is the spoken word. He is the written word. He is the incarnate word. Uh, and this becomes crystallized in our mind uh, when we read John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And if you have your Bible, please look at that. Uh, and these are marvelous words. This is one of the great chapters in all of the Bible. In the beginning was the word. And notice that the word is capitalized. All right, because it is not the mere word. It is the word of God, also referred to as the logos, which is a Greek word, which we'll talk about. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was God in the beginning. What does that mean? It means that as uh, John used it and had the vision, he understood that the word of God was a living concept. It was Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became the incarnate word of God. Yes, God in equality in every way, but God also in the word. Uh, and so when Jesus came to this world, he became, in, he became uh, incarnate as a human being, but he also was the representation of the word of God. And that is why when we read the scripture, every word in the scripture, every passage in the scripture points to Jesus. And so if you don't get that, if you don't really drill down and understand that this, what the, this is what the Bible is about. We read the Bible <clears throat> not for intellectual titillation. We read the Bible to learn about God and ultimately to be drawn to Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? That's the key aspect of the Bible, understanding this, uh, that that's what God, God wants for us. Um, and so and this, is the, this is what's referred to as the logos. It was a Greek word that... that uh, indicating that the word was much more than a, than uh, a piece of writing, that it was incarnate. And that's what God did with Jesus. Jesus became the embodiment of God's word, uh, the symbol of all that God spoke about. There with God from the beginning. And so with God from the beginning, there's Jesus. And Jesus is the word, the embodiment of the, of, of God himself, the very creative agent of this universe. And so God used Jesus to create the universe, and he did that as Jesus became the Word, the Word, the Logos, uh, the very impact of God. And so that is why, that is why God wants us uh, to spend time each day reading the Bible. Uh, and it is the mirror that helps us to walk uprightly and allows us to see our imperfections uh, and our sins. And so I want you to understand this. You need to spend daily time in the Bible. You know, for most of us, the best time to do that 
is to get up in the morning and read the Bible first. And I would say it's probably better than watching Fox News. <laughs> because here's what happens when you watch Fox News, and I like Fox News, but you watch Fox News and immediately, you, you, you know, uh, 50 people got killed. Uh, the government is coming apart. Uh, some politician just, you know, committed a crime. And by the time you spend 10 minutes watching Fox News, your mind is so distressed, your heart is so distressed, your, your blood pressure is elevated, and you're ready for a fist fight. Thank you, Fox News. I need that. I need that fix. But here's the thing. If before you do that, if you pick up the Bible and you begin to read the Bible, God will speak to your heart. God will speak to your heart. It's God's word. And as you get into this and you develop this habit, day-long habit, and you do that, God will anoint you. And you'll feel the impact of God. And your life will have peace. Uh, and you'll be prepared for the onslaughts of this world, which are horrible in every possible way. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11. Let us therefore make every enter every effort to enter enter the rest so that no one will fall by failing by following their example of disobedience. Verse 12, for the word of God is living, underline that, living and active, underline that, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Oh my, There's, there it is. The word of God is alive. It's active. It sees. It instructs. It convicts in every way. And it is powerful. Uh, and it's compared here to a double-edged sword. So powerful that when you hear the word of God, that the word of God comes, it divides your body, separating soul and spirit. Meaning what? It speaks to your spirit. It convicts your spirit because you're hearing from God. You're hearing from the creator of the universe. And he created you. You are his child. And now he's speaking to you and he's telling you, he's telling you what you need to address in your life. I mean, I, you know, I've given you personal insights in my own testimony uh, when people have have spoken the word of God uh, to me. And the word of God comes not just from the Bible, but it comes from pulpits when they're inspired by godly men under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and it can come as it did for Billy Graham in the back end of his farm when the neighbor across the way gave Billy Graham a scripture verse. Uh, that changed his life and brought him into ministry for the rest of his life. And so the word of God can be used by so many different people that are not necessarily ministers or preachers because the word of God is that powerful. I told you that for myself, that mentally handicapped young girl that, that came into church before the church started, you know, uh, 30 minutes before and the church is dark, there's 2,000 seats and I'm sitting halfway back just meditating 
Um, and she basically said, cited scripture when, when she was asked if she would join a, one of the Bible classes. And her mother said, yes, she's a, 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 a Christian. And this girl referred to a Bible verse and said, yes, I love Jesus. He's my personal savior. And what happened is the, the, the sword of God went into my heart and changed me forever. I knew right then. Why? Because that's how the word of God is. When you hear the word of God, it cuts asunder. And that, for me, meant that my life would never be the same. Would never be the same. I didn't care anymore about practicing law. I didn't care about all those things in life that people aspire to. I knew right then and there that God had called me to speak about him from that time forth. And it would never be the same. Why? Why? Was it some dramatic sermon? Some tremendous elevated piece of rhetoric? No. It was a mentally handicapped girl who simply mentioned the word of God, who me sitting there got the sword of God into my heart. That's how God works. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. That's how he works. I mean, really. And, and, and this is, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing to you. This is why we spend the time that we do spending studying the Bible. Look, we're not interested in just making you intellectually advanced. I'm glad you're intellectually advanced. I'm glad that you aspire to know more about the Bible. But this is a book unlike any other book. This is changing your life. This is showing you the errors of your life. This is cleansing your life. And this becomes important. Uh, look at John chapter 15, verse 3. Jesus speaking to the disciples says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Meaning what? You are saved. That's what Jesus is saying is you are saved because of the word of God that I have given to you. That's why you're clean. All right. That's why you're clean. And so you need to understand this. Turn also to Ephesians chapter five, verse 26. Actually, we start with 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Can you understand it there? The washing through water through the word. This is how God cleanses you. It's God cleanses you through the water of the word. The word is the, is the water of God. It is the cleansing agent of God. This is why we read it. This is why we study it. This is why we incorporate it and put it into our lives. This is what protects us. This is what lifts us up, what, what, what affirms us in every possible way. Look also at 1 Peter chapter 23. Excuse me. Uh, 1 Peter 23, first chapter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. That's how you've been born again. You understand? It didn't happen by accident. You heard the Word of God, and when you heard the living, enduring Word of God, you were convicted, and when you were convicted, you reached up in conviction and said, God, I need a Savior. I am lost. And without anything else, God reaches across eternity and touches you and filled you with the Holy Spirit 
and saved you and saved you because of the grace of God and Jesus Christ and the blood of Christ. Without a doubt, he saved you. And it is the enduring word of God. It's the word of God that began that process. That's how you got convicted. That's how you understood what God wanted you to do. And so the word of God is operating on so many different levels. I like to believe that the fact that over 200 men come out every week is not to eat donuts and coffee. It's to come out and hear the word of God. And even as I'm speaking, I'm speaking the word of God to me. I don't want you to think that this is something concocted in my mind. All right? That I'm writing words out and then I just spew the words out. Because if I did that, this would be simple rhetoric. It would fall flat. But if I've bowed to God and submission to God and said, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll submit to you. I'll, I'll deliver the message and the word that you want. Then when I do that, then God is, is invading through me his words. And even as he speaks to you, he's speaking to me. Don't think that I'm not taking this for myself. Every word that comes out is first to me. As I often say, if it bounces off me and hits you, well, then that's good. That's what he, what, what, he, what God wants. Turn to, to, uh, Psalm 119. And I want you to have these verses because these are verses that, that you need to adapt into your life and, re and remember them and reflect on them. Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, Lord. That's why we put the word of God in our heart, because we know we're human. We know we have failings. We know we have warts. We know we're going to fall. But at the same time, I put the word of God in my heart so that when I do fall, I'm lifted up. I know that he loves me, that he will forgive me, that he corrects me, that I won't make the same mistake over and over and over again through the word of God. All right. Through the word of God. God enables us to live a spiritual life by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's Matthew in chapter four. That's how God enables you to live a godly life. He is, he is giving you the ability through the Holy Spirit inspired by the word of God. This is no mere history book. It is filled with prophecies, hundreds of prophecies. It is filled with, with the wisdom of God, with the love of God, with the judgment of God. It is the veritable roadmap to heaven. You want to know how to get to heaven? Start reading your Bible. Okay? You want the roadmap? This is the perfect GPS. All right? Instead, what do we do? We concoct uh, human, human philosophy. Right? Human philosophy. New ageism. All this nonsense that I hear uh, every time, every week, there's another book written. That doesn't make any sense other than it came out of somebody's head, all right, uh, about how to get to heaven. There's only one way to get to heaven. It's with Jesus. And with Jesus, the only way you understand the heart of God is reading the Bible, all right? And if you want to bring your family to God, you need to be able to teach them about the Bible. And part of what I'm, I hope I do here, I hope that you guys go home and share what we're doing with your wives. That's why I'm glad we're on the Internet, because I want our wives to know what we're studying. It applies for them as well. They should be listening to this. And you should go home and share these thoughts with them, to pray with them, and to discuss the Bible with them. This is important. This is a sharing experience that God wants you to have. 
And so it becomes critical as you understand and understand. Look at this. Look at Luke chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And by the way, look at the verse before it as you understand how critical it is. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And I would say amen to that. And Jesus replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Oh, man. Jesus didn't even take a compliment about his mother. All right? You understand? Jesus was about business. He's worried about your soul, about where you're going. And so here it is. That's the blessed aspect of life. Those who hear the word of God and apply it and listen to it. And look, because we are men of God doesn't mean that we won't fall, please. I hear people say to me all the time, I don't like going to church. It's filled with hypocrites. And I always say there's room for one more. Room for one more. Always room for one more. All right. Of course, it's filled with hypocrites. And by the way, hospitals are filled with sick people. Is that a shock? Really, I'm amazed when I hear people talk like this. I Look, we go to church not because we're perfect, but because we know we are imperfect. That's why we go to church, to be uplifted and affirmed, to get closer to the cross of Christ. That's why we go to church. All right? Don't tell me that we're hypocrites. Of course we're hypocrites. We're sinners in every possible way. But we recognize that without Jesus, we'd be lost forever. And that's what separates us from the rest of the world. And and let me say something else. You're men of God. God has called you and saved you. And that's what this means. Every day of your life is ordered. Listen to what I'm saying. Every day of your life is ordered. That means that when you get up in the morning, you are not in a pinball machine. You understand that? Because God's will is covering you. Now, I can't say this about people that have not accepted Jesus Christ. Because if you have not accepted Jesus Christ, then you are in a pinball machine. All right? But when you give yourself to God, we know from Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. What does that mean? It means all things, not some things. Not the day, you know, just because you've gone to the hospital and got a bad diagnosis. Is that within the overwhelming rule of God? For you, it may very well be. It may very well be. And we bow to Him because we recognize we are not in a pinball machine. And that's why we listen to the will of God through the Bible. We understand the importance of this. Now, one of the other things that, that the Bible does is it, it helps us to rejoice in our spirits as we have an understanding of eternal life. And if you were with me on Sunday, the last three Sundays, I spent three weeks drilling down on what it's going to be like when you get to heaven. And if you heard that, and I would recommend that if you get a chance, you listen to that on the Sunday lessons uh, on heaven. Uh, when you get an understanding of what God has prepared for us there, uh, you, you, you cannot even fathom it. And I believe that as much as we study it and we anticipate it, it will not be anything like that. It will be a thousand times greater. There will be no night. There will be no darkness. There will be no evil. There will be no pain. There will be no death. You'll be with your family that has gone before you. And as I proved on Sunday, yes, you'll even be with your pets. All right? All right? 
Yes, you'll even be with your pets. All right? Because that's what God has indicated. That's the love of God. That's the consummate love of God. And that's what the scripture does, elevating you and giving you a vision of the other side. Look, that's why we as Christians, we're not depressed. Now, does that mean we don't have mental issues or we don't suffer? Of course we do. Some of us do. But at the end of the day, we need to have a vision of the other side. The Bible gives us that vision. The Bible is the telescope to the other side. Uh, and so we, we need to understand this. Uh, and, and also, the scripture, the words of God, are a sword and a defense against Satan. Turn to Matthew chapter 4. And here we know that, that Satan has taken Jesus into the wilderness uh, and is tempting him. And at every one of these temptations, the three temptations that he gives, Jesus cites the word of God. Um, uh, and first of all, he says to Jesus, you're hungry. You haven't eaten for 40 days. Now you have the authority because you're God. You have the authority to turn these stones into bread. Uh, and Jesus says in verse 4, it is written, he cites the scripture. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. There it is. God, God himself using the very word of God as a sword against, against Satan. Uh, and, and then when he takes him up to a high place and say, why don't you just throw yourself off here? Throw yourself off and the angels, the Bible says the angels will take hold of you because he was able to cite scripture that said that. And Jesus answered, it is also written, verse 7, do not put the Lord God to your to the test. Don't test God. Don't tempt God. Don't say I'm going to step on this big wall and I'm going to step off and nothing's going to happen to me because God is with me. That's ridiculous. That's not being called within the purpose of God in Romans 8.28. That's being called within the insanity of your own mind. All right? And God's not going to do that, but you understand that the word of God is the protective agent. And finally, after the last one, uh, where Satan says, just bow down and worship me, and I'll give you everything in the world because it's under my control. I own the world. This is my province. I have these people in domination. I'll give it all to you. And Jesus said in verse 10, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only, then the devil left him. The devil left him. You understand the power of the word of God, that Jesus himself would use it uh, to uh, deconstruct Satan's power. So it's, it's so important for us to understand this. The word of God comforts us in death. Uh, and this is a big deal, because I've gone to hospital rooms where, where our brothers and sisters are dying, and I've spoken to them, and I can tell you something, first of all, that when you walk down the hall of a hospital, if you go walk by a room of, of a person who is saved, uh, a godly person who has given their heart to, to God, you don't hear despair. You don't see darkness. But on the other side of the hall or in the same room in another bed, if you see someone that has not given themselves to, to God, there's darkness. There's depression. I've seen it with my own eyes. Believe me, I've seen it. It's clear. It's palpable. And so the word of God comforts us even in death. Revelation 14, verse 13 says, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, that they may rest from their labors, 
and their works follow them. Blessed are the dead that die in the Lord. Dying in the Lord is a blessing. And the word of God tells you that. And so you understand. So when you go to someone and you know they're hurting and they're dying uh, and they may they and they may need a word of encouragement. God gives you the words of encouragement through scripture. He gives you the very words of encouragement uh, in scripture. Now, the word of God is the message we preach. The power of the preacher. And please listen to this because this is key. The power of the preacher is not in his charisma, his popularity, or in his education. It is in faithfully declaring the word of the Lord. Can I get an amen on that? Let's understand that. I could come up here and sit with multiple postgraduate degrees in theology, and I could sit here and give you a theological dissertation. And as the words would come out of my mouth, it would fall flat on the floor. It would never touch your heart because it's not the inspired word of God through the Holy Spirit. But the most simple, uneducated person could come up here. And in bowing to the Holy Spirit, if that simple, uneducated person had a word inspired by God, it would touch your hearts. Every one of you would be saying amen because it's the Holy Spirit, the inspired word of God. That's what this is about. That's what we're doing here. It is not about human education or human elevation. Listen, every once in a while, God can even use a very educated man. Every once in a while, if that man has not elevated his education. All right? You understand? But the problem is this. Guys that are well-educated, guys that are talented, often lift themselves up. Oh, yeah. Oh, look at the power that I have that my mind has created. The, and, and you understand, it's not about him, it's about me. All right? And if you're going to churches where that's happening, find another church. All right? Find another church. All right? You want to be inspired by the word of God, by humble people that put their face in the dust, that recognize, but for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they have nothing to say. Nothing to say. Listen, I grew up in a house of ministers. I never said a word in church, never spoke in church. Why? Because I didn't feel the inspiration of God. I never felt that I was holy enough or righteous enough to speak in church. Why? Because I looked at the example of my grandfather and my father. It was only when God really put that sword through my heart that I recognized that nobody is righteous, that nobody is holy, that the curtain came down on my own self-introspection and I learned that my self-issues were irrelevant, that I needed to speak about God because he had called me, irrespectively of what I had to deal with in my own life, that I had to serve him. The same is truth for you. The same is for you. This is what the word of God does. It is a mirror that reflects back Jesus and shows you your own inequities in every possible way. And so when we speak from the pulpit, we should always quote scripture. And let me say how important that is. I listen often. By the way, I feel like I need oxygen. I'm all right. I'm only kidding. <laughs> but I listen. I'll listen on television because I find it interesting to listen to other uh, pastors speak. You know, I just I'm interested in hearing how they convey the word of God. And I will often hear messages that never refer to scripture. 
five ways to do this, seven ways to do this, nine ways to do this. And what am I listening to, a coach? Am I listening to a coach? Instead, when you are really speaking the word of God, every issue that you raise has to be surrounded by scripture. It is only with the influence of the Holy Spirit and the word of God that your words have any impact at all. Any impact at all. And so let's understand that our individual opinions are irrelevant. You hear what I'm just saying? My opinion is irrelevant. It doesn't carry any weight at all. The only thing that matters is God's word, God's opinion. That's all that counts. Uh, and, and turn to 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, uh, where in, in that verse he said there of himself, and this is Paul, that his preaching was not of human wisdom, but words that were packed with the spirit power. Not human wisdom. And this is a man who most historians will put in the top 10 guys of, uh, in the history of Western civilization who have impacted our civilization more. This man was a genius. All you have to do is read his writings uh, and, and the, the depth of his intellect. Yet he put his intellect down in the dust. He wasn't interested in his intellect. He was interested in the word of God. And there it is. The words that I have have power because they're conveyed by the Holy Spirit of God. That's the power of the words. And so if you're sitting in the chair today and you're being convicted, as I hope you are, you're being convicted not because of John Garippa. You're being convicted by the Holy Spirit. All right? You're being convicted by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and here's the other thing. Now as you're being convicted, you have a responsibility to convict others. You have a responsibility when you leave here to speak to the world about this. And one of the responsibilities that you have is to your own family and to your own children. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6 as we focus in on the Word of God and what our responsibility is to our families with the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. This is God speaking. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. How's that? Is that clear enough for your responsibility? Speak to your children in every aspect of their lives. Give them the word of God. Teach them the commandments. Teach them what God has instructed us to do. And then in every aspect of your life, even as you're walking along the road, as you're walking along the road, be prepared to discuss the word of God. And, his, and then put it over your door frames. How about that? Put it over your door frames. And then finally, tie it around your neck. And you know, even the Pharisees would have that. They would have these little little sacks around their neck in which the commandments would be written. And they put that around their neck. Now look, the Pharisees obviously did a lot wrong. But they did some things right. They did some things right. And so we have to recognize that in some instances they did recognize the power of the Word of God. They just got tied up with legalism and lost their way. And so this becomes important for us. This is how God wants us to live. And you know, Proverbs 22, verse 6 says, 
uh, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now look, some of us didn't do it with our children, but now we have a chance to do it with our grandchildren. Okay? God gives us a second chance. Look, you guys have an impact, have the right to have an impact in the lives of your grandchildren. Do it. Teach them about the Bible. Teach them about the Word of God. I don't care if you say, well, the mother and father are not that interested, but that you are. You be the influence in the house. You be the man of God. You do that. And I know many of you are doing this. And I respect you. I know some people spoke to me on Sunday and said they're leaving Naples to go back up north just so that they can be an influence in the lives of their grandchildren. How's that for a sacrifice? How's that for a sacrifice? You're leaving the Garden of Eden? I mean, I got to respect you that that you're doing this because you want to be in the lives of your grandchildren to inspire them about godly living. Praise God that there are people like that that are not just sold out to their comfort, their comfort being down here. Look, I love this place more than I like any other place in the world. I'm so blessed. We're all so blessed to be here. But let's understand God comes first. You understand? God comes first. And so that's your responsibility. When you leave here, I hope you remember this. God wants you to be that influence in the lives of your family and, and in the lives of your children and grandchildren. The word of God brings blessing and hope for the future. Listen, I hear the prayer requests. We're in a bad shape in the United States. The country is headed downward. The government is coming apart. Evil has been surrounding uh, the leaders of this world. There's no more common purpose for good. There's merely a common purpose to elevate self. This is all about self, all right? Uh, and this government is reeling out of control. And so only thing I can tell you is that the word of God brings blessing and hope for the future. Here's the deal. When I read the Bible, you know what I find out? We win in the end. We win. We win. You understand? That's what the Bible tells me. We win in the end. And that gives me hope for the future. Because I know where I'm going to be. I know where you're going to be. You're going to be in heaven. All right? So whatever we traverse in this life, whatever problems occur in this life, God will elevate you. God will elevate you and give you peace and affirmation. But make it your business to do that with your children and to do it with your grandchildren. You have a responsibility. You've learned it. You've heard the word of God. You felt the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's spoken to your heart today. I believe that he has spoken to every single one of you today uh, about what he, he expects from you and the importance of the study of the word. That's why we study the word. And so it's, it's a wonderful thing. It is a wonderful, blessed thing to hide the word of God in our hearts, to put these verses in our hearts and to remember these verses. It helps us along the pathway of life. It helps us through the vicissitudes of this life in every possible way. And so we know that as we do this from the word of God, we know that Jesus is coming back. He's coming back and that he's going to take his entire church out of this world. How do I know it? Is it my opinion? My opinion's irrelevant. It's in the scripture. He has promised he's coming back. Jesus said it. It's in the Bible and I, and I accept it and believe it. And so he's coming back. And when, if you're alive at that time, he's going to take you with him. And he's going to take all the Christians of this world with him. And all the graves of this world that contain the bodies of Christians are going to be opened up. 
and those bodies, those skeletons, those corpses will be pulled out of those graves and joined with the, with those who died before in Christ. That's what the Bible tells me. Right? That's not a fable. It's not a fairy tale. It's the powerful word of God that speaks to our heart. And so you hear today what the Bible is about. You understand how God is speaking to your heart. You understand what the responsibility you have to advance the work of God, how you have to speak this to your children and to your family members, how you need to advance the kingdom of God by speaking the word of God and by studying the word of God. Let's close. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the words that you've given us today. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the scripture, Father. I thank you for the promise that you've given us, the roadmap to heaven, the GPS of life all before us because you as the great creator have given us the word. Help us, help us to bow in submission to the word. Help us to apply the word in our hearts and let each and every one of us leave here today committed, committed to advancing the word in our families, in our friends and in this world. Lord, protect our men. Be with them this week in everything they do and bring them back safely here in two weeks to continue the study of your word. We put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.